true privilege to get to preach a sermon today following following the ordination and installation of these men that have loved me and my family and that I have had the opportunity to get to know. Um, I'd also just like to be able to say this uh, in front of everyone, and Pastor Smith will not tolerate flattery, but I do want to say how much I love him, but he's a dear friend and such a faithful person in my life. I want to be in Hebrews, I'm going to be in Hebrews chapter 13 today, if you would like to turn there. And I'm going to be reading Hebrews 13, verses 7 through 9. And the first thing that I want to do, and hopefully this can just really establish a mindset and a heart set for where we are going today to allow everything that, that is said from my, from my lips and even um, everything that you've heard before, that it would, that it would funnel through, through this truth. That, and that it would flow from this truth that Jesus alone is the perfect deacon and he alone is the perfect elder. And so as we uh, talk about deacons and elders today, that we would understand that truth and that we would allow everything that is said to really flow through that. Uh, so I'm going to read verses 7 through 9. And the first thing I'd like to do is just pray for our time. God, would you please... By your faithfulness and your grace, choose to bless this day. Father, I pray that we would uh, know your care and love for our church by what just took place in you raising up new leaders, in you calling new men to join the ones that are already faithfully at work here, looking to extend your kingdom and proclaim your name, looking to shepherd people to love their neighbor. And so, Father, we pray that you would be faithful in carrying out your work here, that these men would be faithful to their calling, that they would look to the Word and your Spirit for guidance and help, and that they would long for revival here and long for it in such a way that they would pray for it and appeal to you for it. Father, we thank you for... Our mothers who are in the congregation today, all of those that you have given the gracious gift of raising children, Father, I pray that they would be affirmed in their calling, that our church would love them and show them um, great thanks. Father, I pray that we would also recognize the calling that you have put on so many as, as spiritual mothers, that they're not only called to be mothers to their own children, but also mothers to those children um, that are around them in our church. Father, would you allow that to take place? We thank you for the gift of your grace and your word and your spirit. We ask that you would work now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Hebrews 13, starting in verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not, been, not benefited those devoted to them. So as you can see on the screen in front of you, we're going to go through a number of different things on what this means for the church and then what this means for the new officers. But a few things to just quickly be able to notice from these few verses, what the author of Hebrews is telling us to remember our leaders. And so this, this is a way of saying, look to them, pray for them, consider their life, and even imitate their faith. And so as we look at what this means for our church, what this means for Grace Fellowship, for for you here today, let's consider these four things that are in front of you. And the first thing I want to ask, why is this popular and often quoted verse right here in verse 8 that seems to kind of be stuck here in the middle of this passage? Um, What does it have to do with leadership? What does it have to do with um, considering and imitating the faith of your leaders and then also not being led away by diverse and strange teachings where it says Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. If you look at scandal throughout the history of the church, you will most often find one of these three things, money, sexual immorality, and false and or false doctrine. And if you really get down to why this is, you will see that this is because of a lack of faithful and true elders and deacons who, one, were nothing like Christ, or two, and or two, looked to and pointed to things other than Christ. Your leaders should have the same message as the leaders that we see in the Bible, the apostles, the elders that are there in the Bible. And this is actually what the author of Hebrews is saying, that remember your leaders, imitate their faith. Their message should be the same message as that of the apostles, that of the early church. So in other words, they should point you to their leader, the chief shepherd. They should point you to the leader of the apostles, to the very same Jesus that we find in the scriptures. So if we boil down the primary role of the apostles, it was to find out by the power of the Holy Spirit where Jesus was going, what he was doing, and then go there and do that and show people him. Because if you give them Jesus, then you're giving them the kingdom and the promises fulfilled instead of just selling them a bill of goods. And so this, this is the primary role of the apostles, which spreads down to the leaders of the church in the time of the, author, of the time of the writing of the Hebrews and also, of course, today. So, I hope you'll consider these four things, those of you in the church that find yourselves under the care and the leadership of these elders and these deacons. The first one is this. And, and these men 
And the current ones and the ones that have just been installed today, they are not prideful people. They would never seek exaltation. And in fact, they would probably tell you if they were standing here to do the exact opposite of what I am telling you. But I have, I'm certain that God has given you these officers, these particular men's, men as gifts, both the current and the new ones, as gifts to our church for you to have models of the faith, for you to be able to imitate their faith. Now, this is never to suggest that they are perfect. This is never to suggest that uh, they are better or different than you in, in any kind of spiritual way. But this is to say that they have been given to you by God for you to have a model, for you to be able to imitate imitate their faith that gives glory to Christ. Now, some of you would quickly want to say, shouldn't I only imitate God? And the Scriptures actually tell us to imitate God and His character. But the Scriptures also tell us here in Hebrews, but also in other places in Paul's letter, that there are people that have been placed before us for us to imitate. And so how do you do that? And I would just encourage you, get time with them. Seek them to meet with them. And if you feel like you're bothering them, then go ahead and bother them. And, I w- and, and that's something that I have practiced when I have felt like, okay, is this going to, am I going to intrude on someone's life that, that I long to imitate their faith, that I want to be discipled by them? I have just come to the conclusion if it bothers them, I'm just going to let it bother them, but I'm going to pursue them. And I think that's a great practice to have for the people that God has placed in your church and in your life to go after a relationship with them, get get together with them, find ways to meet with them and follow their example. Second, seek them for prayer and counsel and even confession. And we see this in James chapter 5 where James encourages those who are sick and who are needing help to meet with the elders, confess their sin, reach out to them for help. And so this is a way that God extends his grace through his church, even the laying on of hands of elders. And so I would just encourage you, as a church, seek them out for prayer. Do not keep your prayers to yourself, but instead allow them to be involved in your life in that intimate way where they pray over you, where they anoint you with oil, where they counsel you, and even where they uh, give you counsel based on your confessions that you have. Third, Find ways to serve the church according to their vision for ministry. Because the elders are called to cast vision. They're called to see where the Spirit is leading our church. And so seek ways to serve the church according to what they've done. Consider the wisdom that God has given them as they have asked for it as you seek to serve your church and your community. Our deacons... They're full of the awareness of the needs that are all around us. In fact, I've spoken with Colin numerous times where he would love to be able to do this and that and more than we're currently doing, but there's just not enough time or not enough hands to help. And so there's just this awareness that our deacons have of all that's going on. And so seek out the deacons to be involved in the ministry that God has given us here at Grace Fellowship and in our community. And then fourth, please pray for them. 
I've been convinced of this. And this is one thing that I have certainly come to experience and know about the laying on of hands. Is that the laying on of hands will be followed with incredible trial and great discouragement. That will be one thing that will be uh, very consistent in these men's, uh, in their life. Um, And I believe that this is very spiritual in nature because Satan's greatest desire is to destroy Jesus. And the main problem with that is, is that Jesus died on the cross, but then he rose from the dead. Okay, and so there's this awareness that Satan has that he's in the grave, but now he's out of the grave. So what does Satan do? He attacks his body. The head of the church cannot be defeated. The king will reign forever. And so Satan goes after the body of Christ. And and the target that is most glaring to him are those that are in leadership in the church. And so please pray for these men. Pray for their families. Pray for their wives. Because there truly is, um, there is a special and a distinct attack on their life. And it will, it, and the laying out of hands brings that. And so please pray for them. Recognize the pressure that they are under. Understand the pressure that their families feel because of this office. And oftentimes this, this is something that they're not even aware of. They have to be reminded of it. And I have to be reminded of it. And then it clicks. And, I, and there's probably people that are ordained in this room that are going through major trial right now that are saying, this, that's what this is about. That's what's going on. And so please understand the pressure that is there. Understand also that the decisions that are made by the leaders of this church will generally always come with some type of ridicule. So understand that every, every kind of decision that is made and, and presentation that is given here will come back with some type of ridicule, some type of criticism. And so be aware of of even before something like that is given to the church that the leaders are generally aware that that is coming. So please pray for them about that. Also understand that they will forget the gospel sometimes. So pray that they will remember the gospel as these things come into their life. Know, too, that they will second-guess most every decision that they make. After most session meetings here at the church, I generally go home and I struggle to fall asleep because I second-guess what what happened. I second-guess what I said. After most meetings with people in the church or in the community, I struggle to fall asleep at night because I second-guess the council that I gave them, and I wrestle. Was that my flesh or was that the Spirit communicating truths? Understand that that kind of pressure is happening on the people that have been ordained and that are ordained in your church. Know that each lesson that they teach or each Bible study that they lead, know that every sermon that Kevin will preach from here on out will follow with Satan's accusations of failure. Understand that. It will happen. Every time an elder or a leader in the church teaches a Sunday school lesson, an accusation of failure will follow. Every time a small group is led and one of these men is leading it, they will be accused by the enemy that no one heard it or they heard the wrong thing or they completely taught 
in the wrong way. Satan will be at work following those times. Every time one of your deacons goes to help those that are in need or pray with those that are struggling, Satan will accuse them of doing it the wrong way or going in the wrong direction or enabling people or not helping enough. It's constant and it's a cycle. Please pray for them as they are struggling with those things. They desperately need your prayers. They desperately need to know that you're praying for them. There are certain people in our church that I have full confidence that they pray for me every day. And, and I go back to that often when I'm struggling because I often will say, okay, they tell me they pray for me. every. I really believe they're praying for me every day. And there's a grace that comes from that understanding and that knowledge. Now, there are five things that I want to speak specifically to the deacons and the elders. And I want the rest of you to hear these things, to be able to know what they're being called to, know what your future calling may be, know how you are called to support them in ministry. And the first one is this. Deacons and elders, you are called to represent the mind of Christ, not the mind of the congregation. And that's a real struggle. And as a matter of fact, that's where I make my biggest mistakes is that I first want to think about what the congregation thinks rather than what God is doing and what he is thinking and what he is calling me to. So God called you to this ministry. And in fact, he affirmed you through the people of this church. But ultimately, he called you here. He called you to this to carry out his work and what he is doing. And he is calling you to do things that oftentimes most people in the congregation will not have that same leading. Or they'll be confused about it. Or they'll want to go in a completely different direction. So, here's the way I think that we're supposed to look at this. That you have not been put in this office of deacon or elder to try to figure out what each member wants. And that is a really difficult thing. And I can be the first one to confess that when something big is happening or when, when I'm trying to think through something big in the life of our church, the things that pop in my head are specific people. No offense to you. But specific people are popping in my head, and I know this person's going this way, and this person's going this way. And so I'm trying to figure out, how do I temper this? Or how do I, how do I make this a moderate uh, type of decision where I can get everybody on the same page? Those are my thoughts. In other words, shamefully, and I'm confessing to you, and I've had to repent for this, there is a great temptation for an elder and a deacon to be a politician. And it's sad. And so we, that, has, that mold has to be broken by the elders and deacons of this church. And this will be one of the hardest things that you can do. But this is how Jesus grows his true church. And often he grows it by pruning it back as he calls you to represent his mind, the mind of Christ. Second, so first, represent the mind of Christ. Second, live above reproach. And when Paul tells spiritual leaders in 1 Timothy 3 to live above reproach, he is telling this to chief sinners, 
fallen people, people that, and Paul knows that when he's telling Timothy this, that Timothy is supposed to communicate to leaders that will let him down and will, that will let his church down, letting other people down. But he is saying they are to have a different standard than others. And it is because their life affects others, affects the lives of others in a more profound and a more widespread way than the rest of the people in the church. And this is a hard thing to embrace both as um, as a pastor but also as elders and deacons. But we are called to live above reproach. So keep this in mind. You will serve Elders, you will serve the people in here communion. You will serve them the bread and the juice. You will ask them, deacons and elders, you will ask them for their money. You will ask them to take their money out and give it to the church that you are guiding and that you are leading. You will teach them how to live. You will teach them how to love God and you will teach them how to love their Neighbors, you will pray for them when they're hurting and when they are sick. And they need to be able to trust you with all of those things. They need to be able to know that they are trusting the leaders that serve them the sacraments, that ask them for their money, that teach them the Word of God, and teach them how to be a church in the body of Christ. So live above reproach. And then third, be the first one to repent. This is a way to say, be the tax collector instead of the Pharisee as an officer of the church. Now this is hard, especially as I've just mentioned number two. And I've called you to live above reproach. Because when we're the first ones to repent, what that often communicates in our minds is that we're not living above reproach. And so we're slow to repent. We're slow to keep that in. We're often in denial. But number three is to say, and I say this honestly and boldly, number three, point number three here is to say that you will get number two wrong a lot. And so repentance, not pride, not denial, needs to be continually on display. When you've messed up, when you've wronged someone, don't hesitate to come to a place of repentance. And if you want to know what disqualifies a person from ministry, this is it. Unrepentance. That's what disqualifies a person for service in God's kingdom. And so be the first one to repent. Lead primarily by that example. Be the tax collector that desperately needs the mercy of Christ. Run to the mercy seat and lead your church in doing that. Number four, love your wife. Now, we try to be very careful with how we talk about this kind of thing. But I think this is very clear, and I would say it's been very clear in our church, that elders and deacons' wives function in a very similar role as their husbands. And so in other words, as they come into this calling, elders and deacons, your wives come into this calling with you. Now, the problem can be 
when you're not a faithful shepherd in your home, then your wife really resents being called to this ministry with you, seeing you as a shepherd to your church but not in your home. But the truth is, the wives of elders, they are, or at least they should be, shepherding people. The wives of deacons, they are, or at least they should be, ministering to the congregation and to the community around our church. And so this is an undeniable thing that we see both in Scripture and we experience throughout church history, but also here today. And if you aren't loving your wife, she is going to resent the role that you have been called to and the role that you have that you have led her or ushered her into. Please love your wife. And then five. five. And so I want to circle back around to remember that Jesus alone is the chief shepherd. So elders, remember Jesus alone is the chief shepherd. And then deacons, remember that Jesus alone is the mediating minister. Shift focus to him. This is what this passage in chapter Hebrews 13, 7 through 9 is saying. This passage is telling us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will always be the all-satisfying one. We don't need to develop new doctrine. We don't need to, to give a new, different kind of gospel that offers more things than Jesus. He is the chief shepherd. He is the mediating minister. He is the perfect elder. He is the perfect deacon. And if we shift focus away from Christ, then our people will not be satisfied in him. Remember his lordship. Call for the Holy Spirit to lead our church and to minister here in and through Grace Fellowship. That's the call on your lives, to give complete focus to Christ as the chief shepherd and the mediating minister. I want to pray for our church and our leaders now. God, thank you for your faithfulness in raising up new leaders, new servants. Father, I pray for a special work of humility over them. God, I also pray for a special work of humility over our congregation, those who are thinking about becoming part of our congregation. It takes a special work of humility to look to and to receive the care of other men who have been called to shepherd them and to carry out discipline in their life. So, God, that takes your spirit. For this all to work, it takes your spirit to be at work. And so we ask that he would be powerfully and faithfully evident in our midst, in our people, and as we minister to the community around us and as we minister here to those that are hurting and in great need of spiritual food and physical food. Lord, raise us up. Do not remove your lampstand from us, God, we plead, by your mercy. Give us a, a greater, each day, a greater dependence 
on you, where we cry out for you, for your leadership in your service. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.